This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. All right, you ready? Mm. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader, and before we get into it with my friend Keith Johnson, a.k.a. KJ Sawdust, let's take care of a little business, shall we? Number one is... Axe Wax. Axe Wax, an all-natural food safe wax for your axe. It's excellent. I just finished up a walnut handled chef knife, and I use the Axe Wax on it. Damn, it looks good. And it's food safe, and it's that is something to be said. It's, 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 a, it's a great product, all-natural food safe. And if you're making culinary knives, it's great. If you're not making culinary knives, you're making axes or hammers. Or, I use it for all my hammer handles, um, and I love it. I love Axe Wax. And if you go to axewax.us, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, you're going to get 10% off all of your Axe Wax, and that makes a difference, especially you buy a couple pucks and you save 10% off, and that's worth it. And P.S., their hoodies are real nice, too. If you're in the UK, go to UKKnifeSupplies.com, put in promo code FULLBLAST10, and Toby's going to give you 10% off. If you're in the EU, Keith Colby over at KnifeMaterial.at is going to give you uh, 10% off with Axe Wax uh, with Full Blast 10. And Gamaco in Australia, uh, ArtisanSupplies.com.au, they're going to take Full Blast 10 for Axe Wax. And then also NordicEdge.com.au, those good dudes will give you... Uh, 10% off. And if it's, uh, well, we're coming up on the 6th and the 7th. So probably this is going to be the last time I say it. But if you are at the Sydney Knife Show, go over to Sausage Man Forge as Jamie and go tell him Full Blast 100. And he's going to give you some free cans of Axe Wax. So if you're in the Australia at the um, Sydney Knife Show, go hit him up. It's going to be, it's going to, today it's going to come out on the Friday before. So give him a, give him a, give him a nice high and don't be difficult. If he's running out of Axe Wax, don't get you difficult with him. So uh, tell him, tell him uh, we said hello and support those guys down, down, down under and at the nordicedge.com uh, .au and Gamaco. Go say hi to Corn and the guys. Okay. Next thing is, is Total Boat. Total Boat, baby. I'm here with the I'm here with the prince of Total Boat. Uh, Total Boat makes awesome adhesives, paints, primers, polishing compounds. I don't understand how they made such a change, but they started making all this product for DIYers and boaters, and then they realized that this maker community can benefit from using all their products. Uh, makers, f- cabinetry guys, all sorts of people using uh, Total Boat. And if you go to totalboat.com, put in promo code t- uh, Full Blast Ten, you're going to get ten percent off all of your total boat and uh look there are all these guys these friends of the show who use total boat uh keith decent Derek from malden keith mitchell jimmy deresta will be designed they're all using total boat and my guest today keith mitchell my guest today keith johnson i got a lot of keith's i got a lot of keith's in the tank i got a lot of keith's in the tank i got a lot of keith's in the tank but he using uh total boat too so uh which total boat product do you think you use the most the high performance and the thick so thickened epoxy in the tube. What's that stuff do? It's an adhesive, but it has some kind of filler in it, so it's very thick and it's not runny all over the place like normal epoxy. So mm. you can do glue ups and it's not running all over the place. I mean, it still squeezes out, but it's not as messy. It's more controlled. Wow. Look at you, Total Boat. You've done it again. Totalboat.com. Go get yourself some of that Total Boat. Check it out. I love the UV Cure. I love the UV Cure. I just use it today. Put a little bit on, hit it with that UV flashlight, and then you got something. It just hardens up. That stuff's crazy. And if you look, 
if sometimes if you look real close, you can see smoke coming off of it, which I like oh, that too. You I don't can know smell it. It's like a pine tree air freshener. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's healthy to ingest or inhale that, but... Yeah, Yeah, it's a kind of a pine tree. I wouldn't say it's an organic pine tree. The scent is 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 something for sure. It's like a uh, fog, a fog that raises, (laughs) a non-organic fog. But I like it. I'm not not putting my nose up on it, but, you know, that's the stuff for me. So get yourself some Total Boat. And last but not least, Trojan Horse Forge. Those guys are awesome guys. They have made this stable rail knife finishing vise. And this thing, I got one. I love it. Um, it's awesome. It's the best vise stand I've seen. And it hooks into your regular vise. And then it has it's two parts. It's just a lot of people think that a knife finishing vices are just for finishing your handle. And it spins around. And it's got a locking mechanism to hold it in different positions. But actually, you can bolt on this plate on the other side. And it has different adjustments. And then it, what that does is it allows you to hand sand your blade. And if you have a hidden tang knife or if you have an integral bolster, it accommodates for all those things, which is really, really good. So every time I'm using, uh, every knife I make goes onto that vise twice. It goes on when I hand sand the blade and then when I finish the knife uh, handle. And it's great. So if you go to TrojanHorseForge.com, uh, you can get yourself in on their batches. They do them in batches. They're hard. They're 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 hot ticket items. So go get yourself one of them too. They offer play, payment plans. So if you don't want to lump out all the way, they have, they understand. And if you use the promo code Full Blast, what you'll get is free shipping in the U.S., which is nice. They're good guys. They've been supporting the show. Uh, they're great. I love the uh, Tro- Trojan Horse Forge Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice, and I certainly appreciate those guys. I get nice messages from, from the fellas every so often, and they're saying that people are buying it from the podcast. So I appreciate you guys, um, and that's it. My guest today is my friend. If if this podcast, Full Blast, might not have been Full Blast podcast. There was, We were talking before my guest, Keith Johnson, KJ Sawdust on Instagram, joined up with the fellas over at Shop Sounds podcast, a strong, strong podcast, a maker podcast. He and I were talking about me moonlighting on, night, on Knife Talk, with Knife Talk, and having, we were going to do a podcast together because we were such radio fans, and we were going to call, I think we were going to call it the Rusty Sp- Splinters podcast, maybe. Is that possible? Yeah, that was your, your first idea. Yeah, we didn't really workshop it too much. You didn't like the, you don't like that name? I don't like that name <laughs> either. <laughs> it's a good place to start. Good place to start the think <laughs> tank. Good... <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing a you guys are doing a great job. I like this. I was on Shop Sounds and that was a lot of you fun. Are. But it's a fun podcast because it's once again, I think the key to podcasting are having as having three distinct voices. And the three of you have really very distinct voices and personalities. Mm-hmm. And we also have no plan. Like every show has either they answer questions or there's a topic. We literally turn on the mics and just talk about what we've been up to. And then it just tangents into this and that and goes from there. So I think that's we really want that vibe of it's just three guys hanging out in your shop talking and you can listen because there are plenty of other people out there answering questions and topics. And I mean, eventually we go off on a topic, but it's nothing planned. We, well, we like that organic part of it. That's that's referred to as there are categories of podcasts, and your podcast is referred to as the hang. 
That's oh, referred right. to as the hang. Three guys hang. It's called down. the hang. The hang. Right. the hang. It's called the hang, which is annoying and obnoxious. But at the same time, <laughs> the hard part, the, I think the hard, you know, I get a lot of messages from people wanting to start podcasts. And, and, and you know, because of the pandemic, it was like an infl. And actually this morning I was uh, kind of texting with uh, Mareko and Craig of, Tro- of uh, Knife Talk. There are, there are like three other new podcasts called Knife Talk. And they're, you know, a lot of them started up or a lot of them like, Coming soon, you know, November 2021, Knife Talk. And it's just like, whoa, we're now we're 2022. Where have you, you know, take your shit down already. It's like, you know, you're done. <laughs> That's the hardest part about podcasting is, is the idea of like, how do you do it week to week mm-hmm. and actually enjoy doing it? Right. Staying consistent, which, you know, we're not a weekly, we're a bi-weekly and we haven't missed a week. So we've been doing it for a year and a half plus. So yeah. That's that's the hardest part is like every podcast, woodworking podcast, starting with Wood Talk was the original. They've been doing this for 10, 11, 12 years. Um, they took a big, long break, but then came back and they've been the most consistent across the board. So most of the time you start off with an awesome idea. Yeah, man, let's get together. Let's yeah. talk. And then life gets in the way. Oh, we missed a week. Oh, we missed the next week. Oh, we're on vacation. And then things just sputter out. So we're really trying to maintain consistency and it's been working. Well, but it's you got. I th- there's a few hard parts. One is you kind of need a slave driver. When it comes to like consistency, I'm a fucking slave driver. I don't like give notes or or yell at Craig or or Mareko at all. But like if somebody's got to if someone's got to go, I'm gonna make sure that something happens. So like mm-hmm. if someone's you know we all been away. You know Mareko's been away and I've been away and they kind of you understand that. That consistency is is so critical to what people have to, to think about. The other thing is is how do you have a conversation and not sound the same every time? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's hard. It's hard. I do enjoy it though. But you and I, you and I were big Opie and Anthony fans, and sure. you and I were like, you know, we, you and I used to talk about like New York radio and stuff like that. So, absolutely, yeah, it is tough. Like when you're. Especially because we're working on projects, especially me, who they take end up taking a long time. So if we were to talk about, hey, what are you working on now? The same thing I was last week. So having a two-week break gives a lot more time for things to happen and different things to take place and different things to talk about. And it, uh, But it also, you know, we haven't had any complaints like, hey, we wish you guys would do a weekly. Or, I mean, then there has been like people wishing we'd do a weekly. And that's what you want. You want people to want more, right? They, we want them to come right. back for more. The more right. frequently you do it, they may just like, could be just white noise. So, but if you leave for one week, they'll say something. You yeah. leave for two weeks, they'll say something. And the third week, you're gone. They're right. forgotten. You're out of their they, playlist. <laughs> and this is because, I mean, you and I have talked about radio. You used to go, when you drove or something like that, you know that you were turning on the radio and you had morning drive and you knew those shows that you were listening to, if you like talk radio. You knew when you were coming home. I When I was uh, back in the day, I got XM, and then when I would leave in the morning, I would l- f- hear the first part of the uh, Opie and Anthony, and somehow, I don't know how they figured it out. Mm-hmm. They figured it out that when people were leaving, and they did the, the way they did the replays, like as soon as I got back in the car on the way back, it was almost exactly where I picked up when <laughs> yeah. I got out of the car. Like there was obviously research done to figure out how do we do the replays so people are not l- missing out on, you know, because they have to go to work. You can't listen to radio all day long. But um, right. 
Yeah, it would start at 6 a.m. and the replay started at 3, which, you know, surprisingly, and around here in New Jersey, uh, you can see on 80 West people flooding out of New York City. Like the traffic starts at 2 o'clock, like everybody's heading to Pennsylvania. So that's that's the cycle. People go in early, they work their eight hours, and then they head out at 2 or 3 o'clock. And that was that was it. I, and it was you're exactly right. Whatever I missed in the morning, I always caught on the ride home. Do you remember? Do you remember? There was a time after Howard Stern left K Rock, there was this weird void. And then K Rock got David Lee Roth to do a morning show, <laughs> yeah. and it was all, it was unlistenable. Like when I say unlistenable, I listened to the first day, and I was just like, "This is bad." I mean, this is really bad. Like it seemed like. I mean, it seemed uncomfortable. It seemed awkward. It was just bizarre. It wasn't good. It was terrible. And then they, and it, it was like such a strange show. They just they had to cut them loose. And then they brought Opie and Anthony back, which was like, it was good. They were they knew how to do a radio show. But I remember that they changed formats from K-Rock being a radio show, a radio channel where they had Howard Stern in the morning and then rock all the rest of the day. To they changed it to Free FM. Uh, free FM, right? Well, no, was so. it Free FM or... Yeah, I think it was free. It was called Free FM, and it became an all-talk radio show. And they had comedians. They had comedians. They had Chuck D. and who's that comedian who does what WTF? Mark Marin. Mark Marin oh, and yeah. Chuck D. had a radio. No, that was a different channel. There was a pile of radio talk shows. And I was just like, okay, great. And then I listened for about a year, and then when they cut everybody loose, you feel as though, now what am I going to do with my time? Like, now my whole schedule's mis- messed up. <laughs> and I get that with uh, Knife Talk and Full Blast when it's not on. Like, I, we schedule Knife Talk comes out on Mondays, Full Blast comes out on Fridays. Mm-hmm. And if something happens, like Craig's, you know, whatever, is, he sometimes his power goes out in his house. And he can't, he, he sends me a message, I can't post until Monday. I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. The messages start flooding in on, what am I going to do my drive? I, I have this I have this plan. Fridays I listen to Full Blast and I listen to this and I listen to Shop Sounds, I listen to this. And you do create this I mean, I don't want to say addiction, but it's like this format that people are comfortable with. They don't like change. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and yeah. it's powerful. We're all creatures of habit. So when something all of a sudden gets dropped out of your normal routine, you're thrown into into a tizzy a little bit. Do you get what kind of criticisms do you guys get on on Shop Sounds? Because you get popular. I mean, your numbers are awesome. I mean, like I'm envious of your numbers. Like your numbers are very, very good, and it's a good show. I listen to your show. I listen to your show. I think it's a great show. Do you get a lot of feedback? Boy, I, not that I know of. I mean, Nick kind of handles the the Shop Sounds Instagram account, so I'm not sure if any messages come in there. But as you know, we started. Uh, for our patrons doing an after show and in the after show we answer questions so like i said before we don't answer questions in the main show but for our patrons we do and we just started recording live video and then posting that on youtube for our top tier patrons so we have an, a tremendous amount of patron support which is fantastic for the show it's yeah. really kind of what keeps the mics on um right. so but as far as complaints or anything like that I'd love knife to say talk we do, but I don't gets, think so. <laughs> knife talk. The complaints we get is they want, so it, which is it's interesting, is people want more, like, very direct tips and instructions. Mm. And it's like sometimes it's like it it once in a while, 
once in a while we'll get that. And the problem is, is like, it can be very boring. You know, unfor- I mean, you got to like spoonful of sugar some of this stuff because otherwise it's like, I always thought podcasts were about companionship. Like someone, you hear a voice familiar and then they're asking questions and maybe they're engaging in conversation and then you're having some sort of kind of like intimate relationship with the, with the, whoever's talking. But like sometimes people are like, I want to sit here with a notepad and I want you to tell me everything. Uh, and it's just like, I can't do that every day for 300, <laughs> you know, 52 weeks a year. It's just like, you, you know, then what? I mean, you guys answer a ton of questions on that yeah. show, I feel like. I mean, maybe not as many as you used to, but it's still packed full of information. We get more questions now. We get more, more, more listener engagement than we ever have. Like, it's, it, it's like, I don't have to ask as much. Like, we get enough information and, and, and audience participation and it surprises me and I don't I don't take it for granted and I'm very appreciative of I get nice messages from this podcast I get nice messages from the other podcast and I don't take it for granted but it, it always surprises me it always surprises me so oh, it's nice to hear that people appreciate what you're doing and want to be involved you know well I appreciate what you're doing tell oh, me what's man. going on I know that like since we last spoke mm. You in, in in the beginning, in the middle of a panty, or, or something. <laughs> you started to. By the way, I get people get so mad when I refer to it as the panty, and uh, I think it's funny. I like it because I'm so out of touch, and the only reason why I call it the panty is because my Peloton instructor call, calls it the panty, <laughs> and my Peloton instructor is this nice little California girl, five two very bubbly and stuff like that. Totally the kind of person that I wouldn't normally, you know, interact with. But she started calling it the panty and I was just like, you know what? I like that. I think it's funny. So I started calling it the panty. I get so many messages saying, stop calling it the panty, man. It's just serious <laughs> business. I'm like, it's panty, man. So in the beginning of the panty, you started in, you started in KJ Sawdust all the way. How are things going? Things have been going well. Um, you know, the the content side of things has really kind of shaped my business. Uh, I was really hoping to kind of go for a 50-50 split where commission work, I build it, I document it on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, wherever, get some sponsors here and there, and things um, just go from there. But when Facebook created this Reels program, I think it started last year, end of last year, and I started posting over there, and it was like all of a sudden a money tree grew in my backyard for six months. Really? Like incredible. I mean, for me, like some people might think, oh, that's, you know, big YouTube stars. I think it's low money. But I didn't have to do anything else except post on Facebook for like five months. Holy and mackerel. So it, 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 it was vindication, number one, because I, for years, four or five years, I've been creating content on Instagram, all these clips of woodworking that I've been doing, like, because I loved it, but never got paid a dime for it. Like, it was just for the love of it. And now being able to repurpose all that content and re-edit it or do whatever and then post it on Facebook and now getting paid for it has been vindication has been life-saving and kept my kind of business afloat and given me the opportunity to explore other things and you know they've recently changed their payment structure so the money is i mean they they dropped it by like 60 percent their structure so but it's still possible to make a good number over there every month just through reels now other people are posting longer form content and you can put in-stream ads in there and they're making bank like crazy 
I'm not eligible for that yet, but I should be in the next week. So we'll see how that goes. But I, I don't know who's watching this stuff, to be quite honest. I don't know uh, people on Facebook going to watch reels, but, you know, I, I don't know how it's possible. Or who, like, I don't even know where on Facebook to go and watch a reel. <laughs> all I know, know is to my page. Uh, all I know is on my page is the little button that says reel and you click on it and you can post one. And then I see that my account numbers start going up and the money. Coming so do you, but you have to register with, with reels, right? Yeah. So it was invite only for a long time. And I believe now it's still invite only, but you can, but if they've opened it up to way more people, which is why they dropped the rate down for how much money you can make and now it's like a series of challenges you get this many videos with this many views you win you get this much money and blah 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 so you know and instagram started their reels bonus program which they did the same thing it was invite only i was not invited to that and the money was great and then all of a sudden they invited everybody and they cut it down to like 10 cents a thousand views so now it's not even worth my time i don't understand it's such a you know i tell you what I mean, this is an interesting conversation and I'm glad, I'm glad that you're, I mean, I remember you and I were talking and things were getting a little bit, I don't say, I don't want to say dicey, but mm-hmm. you had concerns. Sure. You know, you had, you left Still your job. Do. I mean, this isn't good. You know, I don't know when this, all of a sudden this is going to end. Like Facebook is like, oh, forget it. We're not paying for this anymore. Or YouTube goes south, which I don't think that's going to happen. But, you know, all of a sudden any of these companies could be like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. It's costing us too much. They're changing. They're making a lot of changes. They're making a lot of changes, changes that are affecting a lot of people's lives, you know, and it's like, you know, I mean, you don't, there's a lot of people that you don't see anymore. You know, there's a lot of people, I mean, on Instagram. Now, the, here's what's interesting with Instagram and Facebook and all those. I started to really think about what's going on. And I heard a lot of people talk about the algorithms changing, the algorithms changing. And now they're really, if you watch that guy, Mo Sarah, Mo Sarah, Mo Sari, something like that, the guy, the head of Instagram on, oh, on, okay. on Instagram, he'll do this. Like he's got these, you know, he got this dumb shirt on. He's got these big old bug eye glasses. And he's talking about, he's like, Instagram's throwing, going through some changes. And let's talk about some of those changes. Mm. And I had just heard, you know, that people that uh, I heard from some like you know guys who are content creators that was their business kind of like you that like they they're really kind of pushing towards the reels to compete against TikTok and it just made a lot of sense but at the same time it was like my reason I mean I was looking back to this morning I started Instagram ten years ago and for me I liked it because it allowed me to take my the pictures of my art that I was already taking slides of and I was doing presentations. And I was able to put them up with some context and with some, you know, what's going on in the, in the Hudson Valley and metalwork. And I could create this community and stuff like that. And it, it fit within the confines of what I was looking to do. And now, and then I was able to build Fader Knives off of that. I mean, Fader Knives, with the help of Facebook and Instagram, mm. really allowed me to have a business, like a business with employees and all the trappings of what a business is. And... This whole idea of, of now they've, they're pushing reels and they're, I, I could feel, you know, you feel. My idea of what I wanted with Fader Knives was the, I picked pictures of my knives and they were, it was like a catalog that people could look at and they could screenshot it, send me a picture, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. It was an easy way for people to interact with me and say, I want this knife. Otherwise, it's like, I want that one from the, the reel you did. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what, what you're talking about. And it's become something that is very... It's it's unnerving. 
it's unnerving. But for you, for the fact that like you you're on the Facebook and you're getting that you're getting that cabbage, and then mm-hmm. they kind of like say, okay, now we're cutting the rates. Mm-hmm. It just seems slightly unfair. Well, you know, Instagram, you're right, with all these changes. Like, they used to have IGTV. Remember that? Where right. you could post longer form videos. It was an in-app kind of change. You could right. get there through. Then they made it, it was a separate app. And then they got real, you know, they realized this, this is hard. Okay, they were trying to, I don't know if they were trying to compete with YouTube with that. Anyway, it, it failed miserably. And then they're like, all right, we got to try to keep up with TikTok. So they came up with these reels, which was good to begin with. It was, like, kind of cool because they weren't really showing up as much in your feed now, my entire feed is like scrolling, is like changing the radio dial. New, different song, different song, different right. song, and I have to I have to scan through Instagram with my my volume down on my phone because it's so obnoxious that every video is just another song, and I just I can't deal with it. You know, it's not about the content anymore. It's about let's post a reel, so many views, and get and see how much money we can make, which I'm fine with that. <laughs> do whatever it takes whatever uh, it takes it's sometimes been, yeah it's been forever since they've they've paid anybody but on the other hand it's and i'm guilty of this a couple of times myself it's content for the sake of making content if you just throw something up maybe it'll hit a million views maybe it'll go viral maybe it won't who cares you know i'm just it's like throwing shit at the wall seeing what sticks and seeing how much money i can make on Facebook, it's kind of the same thing, but I don't care about that audience over there. It's because it's so wildly different. I care yeah. about the community on Instagram that was created over the last five, six years, like the incredible close woodworking maker community that's still there, but I don't feel as involved anymore because I'm not commenting on people's posts because I'm scrolling right through them, number one, <laughs> because they're just annoying with all the music and it's so it's just kind of i don't do as many stories as i used to anymore and like you're saying like you used to post pictures of your knives which you take beautiful pictures by the way just to give you a little got a new phone this weekend because i was afraid of competing with the reels oh i I mean i'm I'm not i'm not kidding either i'm not kidding i got the fucking i got the iphone 13 30 yeah 13 pro max i was tired of like having the shitty pictures so i had to go i had to i and you i'm sorry for interrupting that's okay uh and it used to be a picture platform that's what it was post your pictures and people comment on it and then it started video came in mixed in there and that's where i kind of got my following from from posting videos but it was still mainly a picture platform people right to grow their businesses, you know, posting pictures of cutting boards or whatever their business was. But now I feel like it's not about that. Now it's just TikTok. Now let's see what can go viral. It's not about trying to grow your business or a community anymore. And it's, yeah, I mean, I don't want to be the old fuddy-duddy. It's like, it's not what it used to be. It's changed, but it is. It's completely different. Here's the interesting thing. Like you and I become friends on from Instagram. All mm-hmm. my friends in the blacksmithing community, all my friends with I can only think of one person that I met before social media who's a blacksmith. Uh no, three who are on social media. I've met I've created friendships, I've created partnerships. I, my my friendship with Tomer Botner is from from mm-hmm. Spain is preferred through Instagram. I, every the podcast is for everything revolving around this business and fader knives has come from social media. Ultimately, creating con, uh, communities. 
And it's what the hard part is, is like, we invested so much time and energy, but we've, we've benefited so much. I mean, I can't say, I'm not going to be one of these guys. Well, fuck this platform. I'm erasing the, the butt. I've <laughs> created so much from using this platform. It, the problem is, is it's like the or, original idea was just post up what you're doing. Now it's don't just post up what you, we don't, we like what you're doing, but we don't like the way you're doing it. So we want you to do it in this format. And then mm -hmm. it becomes like, I'm not a YouTuber. Like, I don't want to be a YouTuber. Actually, the last reel I did that was I had, a, I had professionally made, you can tell I don't even want to be there. Like, I'm literally like, I, or I wrote the whole thing. We figured it all out. I, we, the, on, the editing, on the shooting day, we did it in two hours. But you can kind of tell, and I'm telling you this, I didn't want to do it. Like, <laughs> I was like... I was like, at the end, he's, I was like, I eat these, you know, eat these oysters. It was basically like, eat these and get the fuck out. And I was, I really legitimately didn't want to do it, but it was like, I felt like I felt compelled and I thought, let's try something new and stuff like that. So for me, it's just not, it's just, I just don't kind of don't want to do it. I mean, at the same time, it's like bitching that, you know, it's, it's complaining, but it's not really, I don't know. It's weird. The whole thing is fucking weird. And actually it reminds me, I was talking to Chris Zepp. Um, two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. And Chris Zepp and other content creators, friends of ours, uh, Chris Cash, uh, Honor Kagler, drives in every film. These guys do really great online content. They do a lot of good videos and reels and stuff like that. And they're benefiting from them. They've all like leapfrogged. All of a sudden, they're all like, you know, they gained 10 to 15,000 followers overnight. Like, they'll mm. all say, I don't know what happened. I mean, Chris Zepp says it's because I'm, I'm pissing people off. And then I'm, I'm engaging with them in a, in a way that I was like, he's like, he's like, maybe you should do that. Maybe you should just piss people off. I'm like, I'm in the knife making business. I'm not in the pissing people <laughs> off business, really. Mm. You know, it's weird. You're right, though. I mean, I don't know where I would be today without instagram because i've created so many close friends and connections and have have found inspiration in my work that i never thought possible because i'm not a creative guy but i know a ton of creative people now right. and i i've gained so much inspiration from them and they're very thought-provoking and have made me look at my work in a different way and want to try different things and explore different types of, of whether it's woodworking or, or design. So I honestly don't know where I would be when it, if I hadn't posted like my first picture or whatever I posted on Instagram four or five years ago. It's, 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 it's scary to think where, what I would be doing. So because your, your business is like, is also, you know, you do fine cabinetry and fine furniture. Mm. Are you finding yourself having less time? Because I know on Saturdays and Sundays you used to do shop shirt sun shout outs and right. you used to have a regular, you know, thing and you were so super cool with promoting me and, 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 and all the, all of our friends and stuff like that. Do, are you finding because your, your business is like doing, you know, you're working, you're working hard. It's not a side hustle anymore. Are you finding it harder and harder to, to carve the time out to do it or is it not worth it for you? No, sometimes I just lose uh, motivation to do. I don't know. You know, some days I'm I just don't feel like popping on social media right. and like with my face like all happy and everything because you know <laughs> it's not always all Working. happy. Yeah, <laughs> and it's more distract. I I am so easily distracted by my phone and 
I don't know how to stop. I mean, you can just <laughs> delete the app or put your phone down, but because because my business is half of it is really based on social media. It's checking metrics. It's checking how a post is doing. Is it doing well? Is it not doing? All right, don't do it like that again. And so it's constant research on how things, how your content is doing that I justify it all the time spent on my phone because it is part of my, it's a big part of my business. Right. But on the other hand, I go to check one thing and then five, 10, 15 minutes, I'm playing words with friends. I'm answering an email. I'm checking text. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, it's lunchtime already, you know, and then it just spirals out of control. Like I get a lot of inspiration for you because I know you're put your friggin' head down and just go until it's done. And I have a hard time doing that. And when I do do it, when I do do, <laughs> I get a ton of shit done, but it's finding that, that mindset every single day. It's difficult for me. It's hard. Mm. And, and the reason why the only re there's a couple of reasons why I push myself as hard as I do. One is my father was a fucking maniac. Like he was, he really never sat down to watch TV. He was always doing, he was either painting or running a winery or running other business. And he was always working on weekends. Like his weekends were always working. And I kind of like that. I, there was something about that. And when I was a kid, he used to walk in while I was watching Saturday morning cartoons. And he's like, oh, you're watching cartoonies? I'm like, Dad, it's like 8.30 in the morning. He's just like, <laughs> I've already been out in the fields and I'm already, you know, come on, let's get get your ass out of here. You're not watching cartoonies anymore. And, and, and then I had other people in my family who were just like they needed motivation and time passed them by. And you see, you see how, how people who need to be motivated – a lot of them, they just don't have it within them to kind of, and then it's too late and time has passed. And then mm. now all of a sudden it's like you had all these opportunities that you kind of blew. So I'm kind of like, and I've seen that with friends. I've seen that with friends who maybe they just didn't want to come in today and then they didn't want to come in the shop for a month. And then all of a sudden it's just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then all of a sudden years have passed. And I think it's, it's, it's really hard for a lot of people to do that. For me, it's been like, I don't have a plan B and it's like, mm. and now I actually, since the pandemic, I've, you know, the pandemic and I don't know how for you is, but the pandemic was, it was interesting societally in terms of businesses because some businesses did really well. Mm -hmm. Like knife, I know knife guys who did really well during the pandemic. They're making something you could put in a box and ship. That's the best in the, in the middle of lockdown. It's like, I can imagine that guys like you or guys who are doing build-ins or something like that, were having a real hard time in, the, how do you do a build-in cabinet in lockdown? See, that's, what's weird is like the construction and furniture business went ballistic as well. Like people spent so much time in their homes and realized how much they hate about it. And they had all this extra money because they weren't spending it on vacations or whatever. And they started putting it and spending it on their homes, whether it be, you know, and to go do a built-in at someone's house, you know, just mask up and go in. Some people didn't like want, want you in their house, but other people were like, yeah, as long as you mask up, it's fine. So it, it this the entire woodworking and, and construction and carpentry is still flourishing right now. It's crazy. Like, but the problem is materials are through the roof. You can't get things, windows, doors. I mean, even for cabinet make drawer slides are very difficult to get if you can get them at all. So it's it, it's become a supply chain issue getting materials. You can get the work, but sometimes you can't get the materials to build it.
we finally, the first time we've seen inflation affect our company was I finally got some steel prices that were higher than normal mm. by a bit, by not a bit, by a lot. Mm. And all because for you for month for years I was just like waiting. People would say to me, "How are prices of steel?" I'm like, "Well, I'm not buying it by the ton, so I'm not buying it in levels that's making uh, it's not making a difference. And if it's a dollar or two over, you know, per knife, I don't really think about that. Sure. But now we're like now we're in the five to ten dollar knife extra rate, and and I'm seeing how the first time I saw how uh, inflation was working, and and then also supply chain was the t-shirt biz, because the, all my guys are just like you better order hats now because we can't get hats. No one can get hats anywhere. Now hats were a problem for a long time. So, but it, what's interesting is is how businesses have dealt during the pandemic. But also how they've really like taken on the chin after the pandemic. I mean, we're kind of in the after the pandemic thing now. I mean, people are traveling, and I, you know, I right. was on a packed plane, and you know, everything was f- fairly okay. Depending on where you go, some people wear masks, some people don't. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if there's not that sense of, you know, you don't have to. Most places, you don't have to get a, a, a negative COVID test to get in the country. Now, some places you have to have the vaccine. Like, I, I you you don't have to have a vaccine card. Do you have, have, have yeah, uh, to fly out of the United States, to fly one airline, I did need a vaccine card to get out. But once I got into Spain, they had me go through, they had to look through my shit. They had to mm. look through my vaccine card. So there is the pandemic still there. But what's interesting is, is how, you know, these businesses that did really well and they doubled down. Perfect example, uh, Peloton. Peloton crushed, <laughs> crushed during pandemic. And then people stopped working out in their homes and then they stopped going back to the gym and then they f- took a shit. They, P- Peloton is like in the drink right now. Hmm. And it's, it's interesting be, to see how we look at, and cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is another thing. People invested in cryptocurrency and you're thinking that it was a, you know, a, a valid form of investing for, more, for lack of a better term. And now it's like taking another big shit. And it's like, I'm just fascinated by how things have been changing, you know? Oh, why? Yeah. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, cause I don't know anything about cryptocurrency. I don't know anything about mining for crypto or any of that stuff. I don't understand it because it's not tangible. I don't get it. It's like radiation. Like, you can't, it'll kill you, but you don't see it. So my brain doesn't. It doesn't register. So I can't invest in something that I have known nothing, just in the in the sheer chance well, you might get rich off of it. The idea was, was, the idea made a lot of sense. And there was a lot about it that one of the things about cryptocurrency that I liked was all of a sudden, you know, investing in anything was always a, a gain for a specific type of person. So there were a lot of people outside of this sphere of influence who didn't have the opportunities to invest in something that they could see a tangible change. And all of a sudden you were seeing people who were in, you know, different classes and different races. All of a sudden they were able to kind of like get some new type of generational wealth. And I like that. I like the fact that it was a little bit subversive, you know. It's no longer for drug dealers. You know, it's no longer for, you know, people being held hostage and give me 20 Bitcoin or, or otherwise we're going to kill her, you know, something like that. Now it's like legitimate. And then talking about, you know, when we talk about Instagram and we talk about influencers, 
I was listening to the Daily podcast on New York Times podcast, and they were talking about the, the what happened with cryptocurrency. And one of the interesting things was there were so many influencers peddling it. Sports figures wanted to get paid in Bitcoin. And then the the you know then actors are using Bitcoin and P, and people are starting to in legitimate you know uh, financial people are saying it's a real thing and then you're seeing you know Elon Musk and all what he's doing, and then you go to watch the Super Bowl and there's Matt Damon doing a big commercial million plus dollars uh, whatever a second how long it's going to be on talking about the fortune favors the brave let's all get you know whatever the cryptocurrency is. Hmm. And it's this idea of these, and, and there was this, the idea was, is there was influencers and then there was FOMO, fear of missing out. So all these people were just like, we were just, I bought a couple, I used full blast money and I, I bought some Bitcoin. I bought some Bitcoin. I bought some Ethereum. I thought, what the fuck? I was listening to Craig Lockwood. I was listening to Paul Pinto. I was thinking to myself, I'm blaming Paul Pinto. I'm blaming, oh, yeah. Paul, I'm blaming him a hundred percent. It's all Paul Pinto's fault. All, all my money I lost. Yeah. Oh, you lost he, it he all. Listen to this. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I lost a lot. I'm not, I'm holding tight because a part of me thinks, you know, maybe the maybe the underdog will have his day. But I'm fascinated by how influencers actually <laughs> can kind of make and break these things. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating. It's like a cultural phenomenon. You know. No, it's true. I mean, I I don't like to be considered an influencer, but I guess anytime you peddle a product to people. Uh, and get paid for it, you're influencing people to buy that product. So, you know, I know you do it a lot, obviously, with your advertisements. You're not really advertising anything that you don't use. So companies are realizing we can we can spend money on 10 different influencers and probably sell way more product than if we just put one commercial on TV. So, right. And... You know, and that's what Instagram was forever when companies were just giving everybody free tools and getting free advertisement and they were laughing their asses off. And now when you when they're like, hey, we want to send you this. Can you talk about it? I'm like, yeah, for twenty five hundred bucks. And they're like, oh, we don't do that. It's like, well, neither do I, because F you like I'm not, you know, I, my following and everything else. Like, I'm not just going to peddle some product for, for I mean, I can buy my own pants. I can buy my own shoes. Like, I don't need you. That does you sending me a free pair of pants doesn't pay the mortgage. Yeah. So I don't take any free product unless I, all right, let me give a caveat. Unless Go it's ahead. a small local business that I know the people and I want to help them out because I know that they're, they came up with this idea and they're trying to grow their business and I'm like, you know what? I don't even want your money. I like that product. I'll show it. I'll, I'll, I'll do a post about it or I'll mention it, whatever the case may be. Uh, I, don't want, I don't want an affiliate code. I don't want to get 10% for every sale. You keep it because you know, 10% on a $14 product isn't tipping the scales either. So I'll just mention it once and, or twice and that's that. But any of these bigger companies... If you want me to talk about a product and I, it's something I like, then you're going to have to pay. It's only fair. It's for you, especially because you have, you know, this is part of, this is a big part of your business. Yes. I And you have a big following. And also you got to be careful. You can't just be like, you know, selling, you know, bubble gum or something that you don't even know anything about. It's, it's a tough spot because... The concept of it, I mean, like, if I see Matt Damon again, I will, again, if I ever meet Matt Damon, I would, I might make a joke about fucking thanks for crypto or thanks for whatever crypto, you know, it was like, you, 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 I, I can totally imagine 
it's that that particular video and it wasn't i don't know if you remember it but it was him walking through these halls this like yes like almost i know like exactly what halls, you're talking about and he's talking in this way it was like you know in history the brave men travel to the moon and brave men did this and join me and, and it was like a call to arms mm-hmm. that investing in you know the, whatever the business is crypto business was this form of like patriotic duty almost it was like <laughs> yeah. as a man as a man you it'll be you know you are not a man unless you get this fucking cryptocurrency because look at like the alex the greats over here he buying bitcoin or you know <laughs> there's like these statues of these you know you know brave men have taken brave steps and it's just like now it's just like yo shithead you just, you know, I mean, you just fucking, I can imagine a lot of people jumped out of windows, you know, because oh, no doubt. It, it's, it's influencing is so, is such a difficult spot. And it's like, it's still the wild west. I mean, it's mm-hmm. still the wild west in regards to like Instagram influencing and stuff like that. And before, you know, somebody sends you something, you, you know, do a little post and you say, thanks for this. And I appreciate you doing that. But right, it's tough, man. Well, it's tough, too, because a lot of the products, um, I won't mention any companies, but, you know, if they send me a product and I like it, my job is to show the unique characteristics of that tool or what it can do. My job isn't to convince you to buy it. It's not to justify the price. That's your job. Either you can afford it or you can't. Either you want to spend your money on it or you don't. Don't say it's too expensive. Because that's like me just walking into a Ferrari. No, oh, this car is way too fucking expensive. I'm out of here. Like uh, nobody cares. Like uh, you don't have to. If you don't have the means to buy it, that's fine. There's plenty of things I'd like, and I don't have the money for it. But I don't go around complaining it's too expensive. But they, but you but there's there's something else that has to this has to do with, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that people when they comment on things. There's this detachment between humanity. You you not you don't think that there's someone behind whatever you're posting. Mm. So the you you know I don't you know that person doesn't know you. Like I mean you might not go up to someone and say the things that you say online. You know and that's part of the whole thing too. Here's a good example. There was a Food Network. There was a Food Network video of this dude r- throwing pizzas in the air. And he's doing tricks and he's juggling the pizzas around and it it looks, I mean, unnecessary, but kind of cool. And then at one point he throws it, he rolls the pizza dough over his sweaty neck (laughs) and it looks gross. And it literally (laughs) looks like, it's like, that looks gross. And then he's twirling around and then same thing, like the Harlem Globetrotters. It goes from one hand to the other, but it rolls down his arm over his shoulders, over the back of his neck to his other arm. And then I'm just like, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, now we're in gross territory. And then I look at the comments. The comments are just like, that's disgusting. I don't want some fucking neck sweat pizza. I don't want any of this <laughs> neck sweat pizza. And like, that's the most disgusting. I don't want his sweat on my pizza, his neck, whatever his neck. And then, of course, I had to write, you know, like, you know, I had to write, uh, can't get monkeypox from pizza. It's monkeypox <laughs> from pizza or something like that. And you do forget that there's this kind of like, there is a person behind there, yeah. you know, and I can imagine that. So people would say to you things that they wouldn't say to your face because there's this kind of separation. The screen separates the humanity. Yeah. Keyboard commandos. You get it all the time on comments and it's, 
it, it, you can always tell when um, you post something about a process or something you built and someone says, oh, yeah, makes a bad comment about it or whatever, or making it sound like they're the expert, like they've built a thousand of them and I built it completely yeah. wrong. You can see right through those trolls because anyone who knows what they are doing would never make a comment like that. They would just either look at it and say, okay, that's cool, and just keep going, or I probably wouldn't have built or say it differently. Like, you know, this is, this is how I do it. Not like that's the stupidest way I've ever seen to build something like that. It just becomes enraged, and that's the other reason that Instagram, like, I just stay away from it a little bit more and don't post as much because the comments, it, they, they mess with you mentally. I, I don't care how thick of a skin you have, they mess with you. Yeah. I and get, I don't need that negativity, get, you know? I just, I delete them. I don't, generally, I don't even respond. I just delete them. And then that gets, flushes it out of my brain and I can move on. But if I respond and then they respond, oh, and I'm, now I'm like, why am I wasting mistake. my time? It's just it's, the energy you waste, the me mental energy, I, I just can't do it. So I'm very fortunate that I don't, and I don't know what, I don't know what, maybe I don't put myself in the position of, of that. I don't generally get. I, I've kind of stopped doing tip stuff. Be honest with you, uh, for a number of reasons, mm. and and there might be a connection between woodworking and metalworking. One of the well, one of the reasons why I don't do as many tips is because there are fucking knife makers who take my tips and then they'll do their own video about how to do my tips, uh. and it annoys the shit out of me. Mm. And it, and and talk and they're perfectly good people and they're guys that I like. But it annoys me, and maybe I'm being petty, and maybe it's like, well, maybe you didn't even learn it by yourself. It doesn't really matter. So it's just like, do I need this in my life? But the other thing is, is like, you're 100% right. I was talking to Alex Steele a couple of years ago, and he said it, it hurts him. Like, the nasty comments about him hurt him. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you are still a person. Now, I've said, I've, I told my wife, so she don't want to know about it, to be honest with you. She don't, she's just like, I don't. I don't really care. I'll tell I'll tell her so, someone said something. And then I said this is what I did, this is what I did or or and she'll say, "Are you still talking about this? Is this <laughs> are you going to let this ruin your night? Right. Like we don't I go to work tomorrow. We're going to go to bed soon. Are you, is this going to be how you're going to interact with me for the rest <laughs> of the night?" And it's terrible because it it is a lot of those comments can wreak havoc. I mean, they can wreak havoc on you mentally, you know. mm Mhm. It does. And and whether these trolls do that on purpose, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I've gotten some of the comments and they're like long sentences, like a paragraph, yeah. just like ripping in. And it's like, you really want to spend your time writing all this to me? Uh, uh, it's, 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 that's bizarre. That's yeah. bizarre. The fact that is totally bizarre. How, there's a couple things I want to ask. Do you think the word troll comes from like, I always thought, I didn't think troll was like the monster from mm. the myths. I always thought troll was fishing. Like you put out a fishing line and you're on the back of your boat and then you're just holding on, waiting, you're trolling, you're, you're waiting for a fish to grab. Like that's what I always thought trolling was. And then when people start calling, oh, he's a troll, he's a troll. And I'm just like, I thought trolling is you're kind of, the whole idea was the person sent, shoots out a, a lure to catch somebody who's going to be mad. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you got to fight. Exactly. Like that's, that's to me, that's what, 
It's sport. Okay, but, it's a sport for a lot of these but guys. But I thought that that's – I don't think that people see that that's what trolling is. Trolling no. is, is like you're shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, yeah. that's why I never respond. And I actually, I think to the point where – and this is where we get back to Chris Zepp and all those guys who now they have – you know, Chris Zepp's got 40,000 followers, came out of nowhere. It's because he did a video with his, you know, ridiculously big circular saw. I don't know if you've seen it. Oh, yeah, it. I saw it, yeah. He, he's got a circular saw that's like – it's like five times bigger than your normal circular saw. It's like an 18-inch blade or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, you, you see this. He's a little guy, too. You hold, he's holding it. And you're just like, what the fuck is he doing? He got so many messages, nasty messages about it. He's just like, I'm going to just put it up again, and I'm going to fight. the. I'm going to let these people get mad. And then all of a sudden, it was like a million views on this stupid picture of him with this dumb chop saw or whatever circular saw with sunglasses on saying, you know, with a big F you on it. And all of a sudden it's like 20,000 followers later. Like maybe this was the right move. Maybe this is the type of engagement I need in my life. But are those the followers you want? I mean, it seems, you know, controversy is great for, for getting traction on a post and getting views and all that. But, you know, is it really the followers you're getting from that? Are those going to be loyal people that are going to either, you know, buy your products or buy your plans or buy your shirts and buy your merch? And uh, I don't know. I, I guarantee you that the majority, the vast majority of my followers on Instagram are like third world countries that just followed me because somehow a video, my videos went viral and they're not actual hardcore woodworkers that really want to see my content. They're just like fringe followers. That's a great point because what I said to – that's what I said to Chris when I was talking to him about it. I said, I don't – those aren't the people who are going to buy my knives. I'm too, bu- I'm too busy trying to make and sell knives. Mm-hmm. I don't really – I'm not looking for – I got there's one, there's one, and I'm not going to go into it too, too, too much, but there's a, a relatively famous – I don't know about famous – a relatively good blacksmith, bladesmith. He's notoriously a troll, and he's gone after a lot of my peop- my friends, and he's gone after me, and, and it's all unnecessary. It's all un- it's all unnecessary to the point where instead of me engaging, and I've met this guy, I met this guy, couldn't have been nicer, couldn't have been nicer, yeah, and I was, and all of a sudden it's just like I get messages. Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? And it just seems so, and then, and so instead of me engaging, because it's very clear that this person was looking for trouble. I just don't, I just leave, I just, I just make it very, I make it very clear with my silence that you're not worth my time. Mm. I have no interest in doing what Chris, I have no interest in what Honor does where he's figured out ways in which to capitalize on people being aggressive because I just, I just feel like it's, it's not how my business should be going. Mm. You know, right? I mean, you're a professional business owner. You're cater. I mean, food and wine, and all these places are looking at you. And if they go start reading through your posts, and you're being a complete asshole to all these people with their comments, like their picture of you becomes a little cloudy. I think so. It's sometimes it's just better to just delete that or or come back with something. If they say this is the dumbest thing ever, and just say thanks, man, I knew you'd love it, and just like like completely one eighty them. But with that said, and without being controversial, the guy from Odie's Oil, oh. we all know about the Odie's Oil thing. Yeah, well, whatever whatever we say about it, from what I understand, he his business went up 400%. Yeah, yeah, I don't get like, it. Like that was not a that whole thing was not and it was not disadvantageous to his business, which you think it would be. 
And you can all can listen to Chop. Go listen to the Shop Sounds episode with uh, when the guys talk about what happened with Odie's. And we talked about it uh, with uh, Brian House and stuff like that. Everybody, if you don't know about it, go listen to Shop Sounds. They talk about the whole story. And it's definitely, or, or, and you can listen to the reverse story. If you go to the Accident podcast, uh, Roy and Chris talked about the the other side. Of it. it was it was two sides to the story, and you, you, people are picking whatever side they want. But the problem is, is like he's his, the owner of Odie's is not doing. He's not filing Chapter Eleven. Quite the opposite. Right. He did right. well. The whole thing did well for him, actually. From what from what I understand. I know we so living like, in like a different universe it's just so bizarre to me that i i don't know on <laughs> the personality of that guy and what he said to people and yet yeah business goes but back it, to the roof this but. is the this is now now we're in this new they we're in this new thing we're in this new thing and and we can we can stop talking about instagram in a second but the interesting sure. thing is instagram started as i want you to be creative and now it's I want you to. I don't want you to learn how to be creative. I want you to do what everybody's doing, and then the algorithm will promote what what people like to see. Often, it's just and it's just like channel surfing. I realized that back in the day, you had your controller and you're flipping through, flipping through, flipping through, and all of a sudden, my wife says to me, "You're just gonna fucking do that all night? Are we gonna sit on one show and watch the show? And you could, I could channel surf for an hour, easy." And oh, yeah. not and not sit on one thing, and that's what we're doing with the reels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and with every uh, you know all these, you go into stories and you and there's like a fifty million filters and shit and different views and change it to four things on. The, I just want to do a story, and you know yeah. what? I don't want the freaking camera <laughs> to be in reverse. Like I don't know why they haven't fixed that yet. So like when you're doing a facing oh yeah story, right. like it doesn't right. reverse it, so it's still wrong reading. Like that's the one thing they need to figure out that, and then they need to be able to search by keyword in your DMs. Because I've had so many DMs from people, and I don't, I don't remember their name, but I remember they asked me about this. And if I could search for Walnut Desk in my DMs, I could find it. And I'm sure well, you see, may have that is... difficulty too. If someone asked me about a blue knife, if I could just search for well, that. Well, this is this is why I don't do business in the DMs because there's no way to, and I try, and people don't like it. Here's the funny thing. And, and we can get off this in a second. We're old, by the way, we're too old. Yeah. We've grown out of this. I mean, we've grown out of all that. We're too old for this. You and me, it's it, it, the, the Instagram is not the way it should have been. If social media is not the way it should have been, we're too old. We're too old. Damn it. But, I had to write in my bio, no business in the DMs. And it was because like, you know, number one, you get, you get people like just wasting your time. But the other thing is, is like, I can't organize the emails. I can't organize the DMs to know exactly what you're saying. Like, I don't know who the hell said what or where. So you got to send an email because otherwise there's no way to, there's no way to organize it. I like that, be honest with you, because I just don't want to be doing business in the DMs. That's It's difficult. It is. And then because so, they have that special messages folder now for like restricted people. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Yeah, trying to stay organized over there. But anyway, yeah, let's move on from Instagram. We've said we said I I I, I wanted to to rage a little bit and I apologize. I wanted to rant a little bit and I apologize. I thought about having you on. If there's something you want to talk about, feel free. In the meantime, I, do, actually. I want to okay, like, you know ahead. what? Let's go talk ahead. about this because Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Because I just watched the last episode last night. And every time, every episode I watch, I think of you and the bear. Oh, outstanding. So, so I, I, we've, I think we talked about this on the last part. I hate cooking. I hate anything about it. Yeah. Like, I love eating, yeah. but I don't like cooking and the pans and right. the dishes and recipe. I just yeah. don't like any of it. It's just a, it's an inconvenience for me. But I love watching cooking shows. <laughs> and yeah. I heard about that show, The Bear. And my sister said, yeah, I was reading an article that um, someone who used to work in a restaurant like that couldn't watch it because it instantly gave him anxiety and all these yeah. flashbacks of what happened. And I, every time I watch Think of You or at the Oriole or wherever other kitchens you worked at, and I was like, the stress of a restaurant owner, because we know how many, I mean, how many people live in a neighborhood where you have a Bermuda Triangle of restaurants where it one comes in, the next one comes in, it goes out, it goes right. in, it's in the same place all the time. Like the amount of bankruptcies and, and failed restaurants has just got to be a mind boggling number. And then to see what actually happens behind the scenes and what people go through and the, the abuse they probably take if, if the people running it, uh, are like that <laughs> i don't know i don't know i just i really enjoyed that show enjoy the hell out of it i can't wait for the next season um so i was just curious on your thoughts i know you've talked about it before it's it's a great show and that kid is so good so good because they got his paleness and his like fish belly skin tone exactly like a pot in his hands the coloring of his hands the sweat and the every they got him down perfect there's a couple things that i'm not going to really you know like there's a couple things that i'm not going to criticize just because it's like all right they did an awesome job the restaurant business i i here's the he, I, if you want i have an opinion I, I used to talk to restaurant friends of mine and i would say to you I had to leave it because I, I said to them, you, you have a cast iron stomach. God bless you. I wouldn't wish the restaurant business was my worst enemy. The way a restaurant business would work, I'm, t- I'm, I'm pretty convinced knowing restaurateurs and being in the restaurant business, the only way it's going to work is you have to have a slight empire and an empire being two or three restaurants for this reason. If you have a system in place, you have uh, your you know, accounting department. You have your, your buying department. You have all your systems in place to run the restaurant. If you do one, you can do two. And you know, your accounting is the same. You, know, you have a system in place. It's easier to open and close the restaurants. But when you have all your eggs in one basket, and if it doesn't do well, it's really hard. It's really hard to like keep the ball rolling. That's why a lot of these places kind of open and close. It's the single restaurant, guys. The guys who got three restaurants, they already have everything in place where they can they can kind of like uh, pick and move guys. They have the idea of how they need the ordering. All of a sudden, when they're doing their ordering, they're using the same company. And they're just doing a little bit more like the food, like the meat guy is going to be the same meat guy for both restaurants. And then maybe they get a better deal. They're going to have the accounting department is all of a sudden, instead of paying the, you know, you're going to have a, a easier system to keep it successful. And if you have a, a you know, some, somebody who does the books, you're going to have an easier way to figure out what's working, what's not working. You know, a food cost guy. Those are the guys who do well, the guys who got three restaurants. And the other reason why they have three restaurants, and a lot of people say, well, you know, you're a big restaurant too, you got three restaurants. If you have one restaurant, and let's just say you have 50 seats, and you, let's say on a good night, you can turn them twice. You get 100 people in the restaurant, and that's a good night. You have a glass ceiling on how much money can be made, sure. right? 
you can't put in, you can't bring 200 people in. You know, you can only bring in, if you decide, I'm going to have lunch, and I'm going to serve lunch, and I'm going to serve dinner. You can only, or I'm, you know, we're going to have one day off, and I can only, you, you have a glass seeing on, when, when things are good, things are good. When things are bad, things are terrible. You're set, you're five days away from closing the doors. Right. So what happens is, is these owners, all of a sudden they have to, if I need, if I need to rate, you know, if the rent goes up in my apartment, or all of a sudden I got to pay for braces for my kids, I can't manifest more money with this restaurant. I have to open another one and do the fucking same thing. So these restaurant tour guys are completely sucked in to having to grow for the sake of their life. And food cost is so fu- the amount of money a restaurant makes on a plate is just so small. It's mm. such a small. It's like 10 15%. Mm. It's of that plate everything is being paid for and then you have to deal with the people who are going to not show the one thing mm. that they didn't do in the, in the bear was they didn't talk about people not showing up for work they did do a good job people walking out in the middle of service i've been in a restaurant where people <laughs> walked out in the middle of service and that is the biggest fuck you you can do to anybody in a restaurant oh. because not only are you screwing the owners but you're screwing your friends right because all yeah. of a sudden they, they have to pick up your hard. slack as and it was it's a it was a hard the, the the second to last show was pretty hard to watch and my wife couldn't handle it because she she's in the in the healthcare business but it's not too far off the screaming and the hollering mm-hmm. but that show that show was really really good really really good like I could see and I've been talking to people you could do like an ornamental ironworks show about that like that where deadlines are happening and like ordering and like figuring working all night and you could do that with ornamental ironwork or uh, uh, that would be compelling and people would see the sparks and the forge and fire shit and it would be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that show fucking ruled. <laughs> that show ruled. But why do, but why do you think you liked it because you don't like cooking? And why do you here's a good question mm-hmm. for you. You don't like cooking, you don't like cleaning. Why do you think people like to cook? I, I was asking myself that same question last night watching the last episode where the lady's like, I've worked here for how many years? You know, I love this. Right. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's with anything. Like, why do you love, like, why do I love woodworking? Why do you like knife, ma- knife making or forging? It's, I don't know. It's, you just like it. <laughs> like, well, I don't the, control the, what I like or don't like. The food thing is interesting because it's, it's, I think that there's a lot of similarities between any kind of craft and f- cooking. Mm. But cooking is different because you're nurturing someone. And you're making something for someone and they want your food. Perfect example. My kid is 17. Last year, he's going to be a senior. We, see, we have a great time together. We don't see eye to eye all the time. Sometimes she's irritated with me, which is fine. But one thing that will never change is if I offer to make her something, she's going to want it. And... <laughs> She's going to be excited. I said, she's got to go somewhere. I said, you want to make you something good? I'll say it like that. You want to make you something good? And she'll always, no matter how angry she is at me, <laughs> no matter how irritated with me she is, she knows that I will make something for her that she will like very much. And there is something to that that is, because my, my, my mother never cooked. She couldn't cook worth a damn to the point where when my parents were divorced, my dad was a really good cook. And then for my mom, I was cooking for my mother, which I found, I found to be obnoxious because it was just like, <laughs> I'm the one who's supposed to be getting nurtured here, not you. So for me, 
a perfect, another perfect example is last weekend I was in uh, Barcelona with Tomer at Florentine Kitchen Knives, and we cooked for the class. Mm. And there was something about, there was these moments of silence of people just enjoying the food and enjoying the drinks. And we were on the rooftop in Barcelona, and the, it, was, it was so much fun cooking for these people. And the food was, like, exotic. And I hadn't seen stuff, some of the, these, shrimp, these shrimp with the heads on them and all that stuff. And it was like, I'm cooking, like, Spanish food in Spain for people, and that was exciting, too. There is something about the concept of nurturing and making something good for someone that is very, very intoxicating is a degree of power. You mm. know? I mean, like we've done and still do like these food uh, recipe services where like HelloFresh and Green sure. Chef. And, you know, they send you the recipe card. It's all in color. It's beautiful and all the ingredients. And I guess at the end of the day, like 5.30, 6 o'clock, because my, my wife gets home a little after 7. And my goal is always the second she is walking in the door, I'm plating. So she can just put wow. her bags down and sit down. She has a much more stressful job than I do. So I just try to make it, you know, I, I guess that comes down to, like you just said, nurturing. But it's all the stuff making before that that I can't stand. So anyway. Yeah, but you're even nurturing with, her. Yeah. But I, you're yeah. nurturing her. That's, that's, that is the, the, that's more important than what you're making. It's the idea that you know that she's had a shitty day. And regardless of it's fresh direct or whatever, you're coughing it up and you know when she's coming in the door and you want her to come home to a nice house. Right. Yeah. hundred mm-hmm. percent. That's cooking. But I guess for me, like at the, after I'm done work, I'm like, Oh, I got to go make dinner. It's like, I'm just tired. Like I don't want to do all that and cut up this vegetable and that vegetable yeah. and cook the meat. And I don't know. I'm just being a baby, but I guess it's for so many years where we, we used to sit down We'd go shopping Saturday night. That was date night. Go to Whole Foods, right? Sunday, nice. we'd sit whole down paycheck. and would send <laughs> the whole paycheck. Sit down in the morning and figure out our menu for the week. We'd write it right. on a board, and that way, whoever got home first, it wasn't like, oh, what are we having for dinner? They go right to the board. Oh, it's Monday. We're having this, and start cooking. And then the next, you know, whoever got home second would just join in. So it worked great, but I just got so sick and i just got so sick and tired of that and now it's there's so many i'm I'm very picky about what i eat so now it's like my menu choices have just narrowed down to this small amount and like i don't want to have when i cook something i don't want to have to think i'm like oh it's just easy i'll just do i mean believe me i'm not making microwave pizzas and crap all the time i'm cooking real food but (laughs) it's just simple it's meat and vegetables and i don't know it's just boring the microwave microwaves are making a real comeback in terms of cooking, David Chang is pushing this company called Any Day, which is this diff- which is I have one of these jars. It's like a glass, it's a special glass jar with a special stuff, and he's they're putting out real recipes on steaming foods and using the microwave as your really? cooking vessel. And it's actually they're it's a smart idea, and it's more along the lines of, and then when you're done, you just put the lid on, and put it in the refrigerator. It's and they're trying to like change the way people see see microwave food, and and using it as a steamer, and like not just like you know you we used to say growing up was you know you're gonna nuke your you put in the, right you yeah. nuke your food you <laughs> yep. know you nuke your food, but now you're getting a lot more people being and it's a lot it might have to do with um, these. Cooking hack, cooking hacks, which drives me crazy. On the instant, you saw, those actually of all the reels, those are the ones we watch the most because all of a sudden you get an idea. 
Yeah. But it's like these cooking hacks. It shouldn't be cooking hacks. It's just cooking. You know, it's just like you know, half these things are not like you're not gaming the system of cooking. <laughs> you're, these are things that existed and we're just kind of redoing it. But you're you're getting people to do you're probably getting more of an impact with cooking from those Instagram reels than you were when Emeril was like making his audience drool every time he talked about garlic and bacon, mm. you know, but there, I, I got to tell you, I think that there, I think that I, the hard part of the, there's a few hard parts about cooking. One is if it's a very, if it's a very involved recipe and you're just like, kind of just don't want to do it. I have those moments too. And the cleaning is like the worst, Right, right. is the worst. I, I, I abhor, I abhor the cleaning. And luckily for me, my wife hates the way I clean. So it all works <laughs> out, you know, it all works out. So you say, what kind of foods do you like to eat? Cause I know you're picky. Yeah. You said you're picky. Yeah. I mean, like tonight is going to be, um, uh chicken breast on the bone which i'll put on the cast iron pan throw it in the oven for like 35 minutes and then probably sweet potatoes and salad or brussels sprouts on the side i mean it's nothing that's fucking cooking dude yeah i know that's real I, cooking I, yeah it's it you're is. making it it's, sound like you're not that's a rest real cooking i guess it's just uh i don't enjoy it i you know i really need right. to flip a switch in my brain to for it not to be an annoying process um but like i love like one pot meals like yeah. Comfort foods, like if we were to throw it in the in the pressure cooker or in the crock pot or whatever, it's just finding good a, recipes for that. Like a lot of you things. Have a are pressure just, cooker? Well, I have. Dude, uh, you're yeah. a, you're a real cook. I don't have a pressure. cooker. <laughs> I got an I air fryer. I'm cooking. definitely a real cook. But the air you fryer. You are <laughs> such a real dude. Yeah, you made me. I mean, I'm thinking you're like you're serving your wife peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You're oh like God, cooking. no. Yeah, no. I cook, you do real cooking. Everything is cooked. Hundred percent. I tell you what, I did. Uh, Friday nights, P.S., side note, Major League Baseball has screwed the average viewer because you can't just watch, you know, when we were growing up, when I was growing up, Channel 11 had Yankee games on. Now, to pay to watch Yankees is outrageous. But on Friday nights, Amazon Prime has live games. So Friday nights, I'll bring the computer in, I'll watch the game and cook at the same time. That's a lot of fun. Mm, I find something that I can... That makes it more fun. That makes it more fun because sometimes it's just like it's a drag. But in regards to how you were for years in the winter, especially when my wife before the pandemic, when she was still miserable, I would make sure that I would come home and the food would be smelling good as soon as she walked through the door because there was this real. I wanted her to be happy to be home. Mm. My old man was not happy when he came home. Like, he didn't really want to be there. So, like, there are certain things that you can do to make sure that your companion is happy when they come. You want them happy when they come home. You don't, sure. you don't want them to think, I'd rather be at work. That's not good. Right. That's not good at all. <laughs> so, for me, that was always a big thing, especially in the wintertime. It was always, like, make sure this, everything smells great by the time she walks in the door. No, that's a good thought. Yeah, you can definitely. I would, after a rough day, you walk in, you smell something, and you're starving and tired. You're like, oh, yeah, it probably completely changes your. You frame just want to be mind. happy. Yeah. All right. So listen. Okay. I was thinking about you. I was thinking about you before coming on here, and I found some stories. I found some stories, woodworking stories, and I want you to choose what you want. I'm going to read a few off, and then we can d dive into them or uh, you say yes or no. I got a few. I got five or six of them, but. 
you know, feel free. I'm going to read the first ones. The first one is, here's this, you can, you can try to figure this out. The six most dangerous woodworking tools. You can do that. Okay. There's 15 woodworking myths you need to be aware of. Okay. Uh... There is, there, and then those are the only ones of like lists and the rest of them are weird stories. All right, want, well, let's do one of those, and I then we'll read. do a weird story. Um, okay. What was it, the six deadliest tools? Six, six most, most <laughs> dangerous woodworking tools, <laughs> or 15 woodworking myths that you need to be aware of. Let's see what these deadliest tools are, or whatever you said. Six, what, okay. <laughs> All right, we'll see, we'll see if these guys think that this is the, most, the, the deadliest tools. Is one of we them Chris identif- Zepp's uh, circular saw? Uh... <laughs> Well, we're going to read them off. So okay. th- this 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 article from Woodworkers Lodge uh, listed the six most deadliest power tool or power tools really six most deadliest tools woodworking tools that need to be handled with care. Uh, I'm going to start with number six, the jointer. Oh yeah, what does a jointer do? Is it like a is it like a planer? Yeah, but it's open. <laughs> I mean, it has a guard over it, but it is it's an open spinning wheel with cutters on it that you use to flatten wood and also um get a flat square edge so it and i i'm a victim of this because i have a there's two different types there's a euro style guard which is kind of a shield that goes over the cutter head and as you slide wood underneath it you glide your hand over that guard and just keep passing the material through the traditional kind of american style is a pork chop style whereas as the the guard is covering the blade and as you push the wood into it that pork chop kind of swings out of the way um ah. but the problem with that one is sometimes if it's not if it's old or the it will not spring back and it just leaves that blade exposed and spinning um so i do know people have injured themselves on a joiner it it is uh, all you have to do like is that. slip slip off, and you could do it if the guard is not on. Uh, and you just end up, yeah, with chopped meat. I've told hand. that the story. My dad, when I was very young, my dad made me run to a neighbor's house because he got himself with one of those. He's mm-hmm. like, go to the neighbor. They're a nurse. I'm like, I'm just a child. What are you making me do this for? There's blood everywhere. I'm like, I can't believe What if they're not there? What, what am I what saying? What if I pass out on the way? Right. It was not it was not an opt it was not the brightest move of my dad. Like, Go across the street. Traffic. Get some nurse. I'm like, what? Five. What's the matter with you? Number five is the angle grinder. Didn't think the angle grinder was part of woodworking, but I have know. one. I own one. I can see where that that thing can go sideways real quick. Um but especially like, if you don't in have woodworking tools? Yeah, it doesn't fit. I mean a lot of people are now using those with these Arbor Tech cutters for carving wood and and making these sculptures and things and 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 th- um, the texture blade. Yeah, I'll never pick up a chainsaw. No thanks. Uh, do you know? Have you seen the, the chainsaw blade bits for the for the writing of the writers? Yes, yes. I saw firsthand. I took my friend to the hospital. My friend Miles, my clo- my college roommate and studio mate. He was carving into, he was doing these uh, Indonesian, you know what a bis pole is? It's this parasitic wood carving where these Indonesians or the pa- uh, Papua New Guinea uh, tr- uh, indigenous people were finding a tree and then making the sculpture whatever the tree was. And he was doing this, he spent some time in Papua New Guinea. He had one of them and the, the, the chains, it looks like a little chainsaw 
on wheel and it fits on your right angle grinder. He hit a knot, it came back, mm. it hit his tendon in his hand, and here's the craziest part. He used to use just wear like, you know, like sweatpants. It went down and he this is the one of the only times he was wearing sweatpants with a zipper on it. The metal zipper caught the fucking thing and locked it up. And all of a sudden I heard this and then I hear fades. He used to call me fades. I turn around <laughs> oh, no. and there's blood pouring out of his hand and this whirling uh, grinder on his crotch. I was like, Miles, what the f-? I ran over, I unplugged everything, we untied it, we bandaged him up, I took him to the hospital. And he's like, Fades, I almost took my dick off. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're right. So I, I was there with him when they kind of like spliced back together his the tendon in his hand, but it was the scariest thing. So that's number five. Wow. Yeah, Fades, they almost took my dick off. I almost took my dick off, that's what he said. I'm like, yeah, you did, you almost took your dick off. Number four is the power drill. Power drill is number four. Get out of here. I mean... I mean, get out of here is right. Number three is the nail gun. Number three is the nail gun. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Maybe I've shot myself the, in the it? finger before just because it actually... You have? Well, it, I mean, if you're... Yeah, sometimes that nail goes in and hits a knot inside and it shoots out sideways. I mean, I've had it go through my finger, but nothing... How far? Yeah, like through I mean, the If tip. you touch the bone, I mean, you can get you can No, get No, it was at the, more at the tip of my finger. Um, That's scary, but you know, because I used to work on with as a finished carpenter, and the two guys that I worked with on the crew were old, kind of salty, seasoned carpenters, and you know, they're type of guys that would pull back the safety on a framing gun and just like start shooting it, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Predator. Yeah, so you can like did set up target practice with the target on a piece of plywood really? and just like shoot the thing. So dangerous. Um, yeah, kind of like so t- I guess the, the only time I ever saw that happen was in Lethal Weapon. When uh, oh yeah, right, weapon. exactly. Know, Where you shoot him in the head, or, yeah, yeah, through the plastic. Yeah, yeah I mean those right, a, right. a regular framing nail with sixteen penny, three inch framing nails. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. Put it on you. But all right, there is that. Number I remember two- seeing a story with some guy. Was it through his eye or up through his nose? You know, it's one of those viral things we see it on the internet, where it's like a, the X-ray and showing the nail like up into his brain almost, and just barely survived. It can like, happen. I don't like. Maybe there should be PPE for the nose. I don't think so. <laughs> you need like some sort of cup for your nose, like you know, Kevlar uh, yeah. nose guard. Yeah, nose cup. <laughs> Number two is the circular saw. I agree. I've I have friend. I know someone who yeah. put a circular saw down, and it and it, it wasn't. It hadn't stopped. There was no guard, and it rode over his foot. Yep, yep. That could happen. Ooh, want to take a want to take a guess on the number one table saw? Deadliest table saw is number one. That's right. Table saw is number one. Had any table saw incidents? No, just kickback. I've had two kickbacks. Kick, or two bad. kickbacks in my life. Um, and learn from them. Simple as that. You learn from these. Well, luckily, I haven't cut anything. You know, I own a saw stop now, which a lot of people think, oh, you have a saw stop. That means you're going to be careless. You'll do a lot of cowboy stuff now because you know you're not going to get cut. It. <laughs> when you do how do those things work? It is. How mess. does it know? So that's it's an electronic circuit, and as soon as your flesh touches it and completes the circuit, it fires off a um a charge. There's a there's a cartridge in there, and that charge goes through the cartridge, pinches the blade, and pulls it down from the table in a millisecond, faster than you can even think. 
So if you were to run your finger right across the blade, all you would end up with is a nick because it it uh, drops so fast. Can you can you imagine the liability insurance they have to have mm, if it doesn't because work right? One mistake. If one mistake and you're suing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I haven't I mean, heard of any. I haven't heard of any lawsuits in you, how many you years they've be, been out. You got to be beyond on the money. There cannot be one mistake, right? I mean, I've. And it's, it's, Go ahead. It's, it's expensive to fix it, right? Like the, if it goes the off. The cartridge once. is about eighty or ninety dollars, um, and then it usually wrecks your blade. Um, but listen, one hundred and fifty dollars for a new blade, ninety dollars for a new cartridge, two hundred and forty dollars versus reconstructive surgery, and <laughs> you know, possibly not losing the the use of your right hand. It's totally worth it. I now, was, I did I set was... off a cartridge once. It wasn't because I touched it. The way that thing works is there has to be a certain amount of space between the tip of the saw blade and the cartridge itself so that it can sense that there's a cart. You know, the blade has kind of a connection to the uh, – the, the cartridge has a connection to the blade and it can complete the circuit. So right. if it's too far away, the machine blinks red. It's like, no. If it's too close, it blinks red. But the problem is – I don't know what happened. I had just got the saw. I had it for about a month. I changed the cartridge with a dado stack. So a dado stack is when you stack multiple blades on at once to give you a wider cut. So there's okay. also a special cartridge for that, which is more money because oh, right. you need it's thicker, right? So it, yes, it's a different. Di- it's all of a sudden it's a different dimension for the for the exactly. Saw stop so the cartridge is wider and has more aluminum in it to embed that blade and stop that blade. So I changed it. I swapped it out for the dado cartridge, and I checked it. The light was green. Beautiful. The second I turned the saw on, bang, it charged oh. and dropped. And it was because as, as it turned, the next tooth apparently was too close. So when I had set it up, it must have been like the perfect setup where the, the teeth were oriented perfectly where it wasn't I see what you're registering. I don't know staggered. what it was. They weren't yeah. staggered. So if they were staggered, maybe the second tooth in that dado would have set it off. Right. So now every time when I change blades or cartridge, even if it says green, I take a foam pad and I just turn the blade a few rotations because if you can't do it with your hand because it'll register that your finger's touching it. So I right. just keep turning it and making sure it stays green. And then, but yeah, as a reminder, I just have that cartridge hanging on my wall. Uh, I was I was more blown away that you pay one hundred fifty dollars for a saw blade. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm a, me I'm a I'm a flea bag. I'm getting them. Well, I'm getting those uh, thirty dollar Diablos or whatever they are at Home Depot. Uh, yeah. I mean, some of them work. Totally it's just you know the, the more carbide you have, you can sharpen them more. And you know a lot of these blades have with the anti vibration. You know, there's there's definitely advantages to spending more money on a blade. If you keep them clean, What's... you only have to sharpen them once in a great while. What's the type of blade? I remember using was it was this, it wasn't a, it wasn't a table saw because it had a blade underneath it, a hair in front or a hair back. There's like it was almost two blades. There was a small blade in front of the table saw blade, and it was it was like a call a slide table. I think it was oh. a slide table. I think it was for finish cutting. Oh, so it had a like, scoring na- uh, scoring blade scoring, first. In a scoring blade. Yeah, so you those sever those fibers, uh, so then you don't get any tear out. No tear mm-hmm. out. Look at this. This is like wood talk. Oh, man. This is like wood talk, but like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. So here we can do, we can go. Here's where we can go. 
I can we can do fifteen woodworking myths. Maybe we should just do the fifteen woodworking myths and see. All right, yeah, so I'm interested. Fifteen woodworking myths, and then you say fifteen. This is made from made from wood. A website called Made from Wood. Fifteen woodworking myths you need to be aware of. One is wood pallets are safe for home. Huh. No, wood, they got to be heat wood treated. pallet art. <laughs> Listen to this. Wood pallet art has exploded in popularity over the last few years. Pallets are everywhere. You can find them for a little, little money. Their weathered look makes a perfect choice for rustic signs. Uh, bringing up the safety of the wood uses uh, used to make pallets can be a heated debate. Are wooden pallets safe for home? The answer is they can be if you use the right ones. Mm-hmm. Next time you're around several pallets, take the time to notice any burned stamps on them from the International Plant Protection Convention. Pallets with their logo burned on them will indicate the pallets have been used for international shipping. It's important to learn what these markings are before telling you what the wood was before using. Uh, I'll include a decoder. You can watch for a symbol that contains methylene bromide. The chemical is used to kill bugs or bacteria. This is what these pallets can be, you know, transporting. The chemical is used to kill bugs. There's the wood uh, before sending across international waters. It's extremely important to you to not use pallets marked with MB. The cutting or burning of this wood can cause serious lung problems if inhaled. Mm. Did you know about this? Like yeah, I mean, I know about really heat treated pallets because um, obviously for the well, this bugs. one was, but this one was for. I mean, this one is they were looks like they were. I mean, it sounds to me like they were using them for to haul chemicals, right? Maybe I'm wrong. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, I used to work in cosmetic packaging and I was environmental health and safety manager as well. But like anytime we shipped out anything cosmetic wise, it had to be on a heat treated pallet, make sure that there were no bugs or anything. But also, yeah, I would take 55 gallon drums full of press wash and load them on pallets. And then those pallets would get loaded on a truck and taken out for recycling or fuel burning or whatever. And yeah, there's be drips all over the place. So people buy those pallets or grab them out of the back of a building and then start cutting them. Yeah, they could be ingesting harmful chemicals for sure. That's a pretty good myth that we figured out. Mm. Well, I mean, we didn't figure it out. We just read it. <laughs> Number two is a large space is needed for woodworking. Basically, And then it's basically saying you don't need a large space for woodworking. I won't no. go into that one. Uh, uh, here's another, here's another thing. Uh, woodworking slash carpentry is bad for the environment. It's not the case. Uh, my, it's a misconception that many true, uh, uh, fortunately the increased research logging practices and deforestation have caused significant improvements. Logging companies spend millions of dollars working to plant new trees once the areas have been cleared. Uh, it's easy to make money doing woodworking. That's a misconception. Did you know that one? <laughs> it's e- if you've gone to a craft show lately, you probably noticed an explosion in the popularity of using wood for home decor and decorations. Pinterest, Etsy, and DIY blogs uh, are due to... Uh, uh, wa- while walking around these craft shows, it's easy to be swept away thinking, I can do this. I'm going to set up a booth and make serious cash. You know, it's funny because uh, Derek from Walden, uh, he says hi, by the way. Um, you know, we, we talk all the time and we, we struggle with this exact thing. Like how, cause you see someone like, how are these people blowing up, making all these things or these, the simple thing. And I'm like, Derek, they may be, but you know, you know how many cutting boards you have to make to make, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to make the same thing over and over and over again until I pass out. Like, there's no fun in that. There's no, but some people, they love it. Like, 
oh, yeah, I just make cutting boards all day long. And people buy them up at 80 90 $200 a piece, whatever it is. So yeah, they go to a craft show and because they're gifts. Like people love giving homemade gifts to people, like even little signs with freaking names on it. Like people do it. People make great livings making these little kitschy things on Etsy. And it's just not, it's not what I want to do. Derek from Malden has really kind of created quite an interesting situation. His whole, besides being on the TV show with mm -hmm. uh, make, uh, making fun with Jimmy, he has created this very interesting. Per, he's a interesting persona. Lost a lot of weight. People think there's something wrong with him. He's, mm -hmm. he's not. Everything's fine. He and I are talking yeah, about yeah. it. But it's it's fascinating how important it is to kind of to in order to have this type of business, or for him, it's a side hustle mm -hmm. to have that online persona sure. that people want his thing. Like, they don't talk about this in this common misconceptions thing. Right. Okay. I mean, the days of having to go to, the days of having to go to a uh, convention are over, right? Yeah. <laughs> for like a, for like Derek from Malden, Derek from Malden. Derek, P.S. Derek from Malden better not go to any conventions because if the, the Boston Bruins show up oh. and they see his online, <laughs> his unlicensed signs, he might be getting some cease and desist letters. Ooh. I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for that first one. That's the one to be framed. Derek from Walden. I ain't listening to this. No. <laughs> the first season to sixth letter, that's the one I frame. <laughs> I'll build you the frame. Okay. Uh, we'll build you the we'll build you the <laughs> Yes, we're going to build you the frame. All right. So number 5 is DIY projects are cheaper than buying at the store. I wish this was uh, uh this is a misconception when I look around the house at the things I've made, I realize quickly I could have probably saved some money and definitely time by buying it new. Mm -hmm. That's a misconception. Uh, another misconception is dust is not a health concern for general hobbyists. Oh, God. Pretty standard stuff. Dangerous myth. This is a dangerous myth. Have you ever worked in a shop on cutting wood and then there's later in the day you notice your nose was itching or you couldn't stop sneezing? Yeah, a I lot of people you, have reactions to dust on certain woods. As a welder, when you blow your nose for years and black stuff comes out every time, it takes a certain amount of maturity to realize that there's something wrong with that. Mm. There's it. It took me years to be like, I don't want that anymore. That can't be good. I used to think it was acetylene, like acetylene. When you light acetylene, there's these black plumes. I thought, all right, that's just acetylene. But no, it's it's everything throughout the day. It's in and most metal shops. Most, I mean, they don't wear dust masks and no. respirators. That's the least of your worries. It's bizarre. And you know, they, some companies sent me, they have now nostril filters that are supposedly have the same protection as if you were to wear a full face mask, but it's just, yeah, they pop into your, your nostrils. <laughs> They're very uncomfortable. I couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't an hour later, I'm like, I got to take these things yeah, out. It's like an earbud in your nose. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants that? Nobody. I know. I just, I do need to be better wearing a mask and having air filtration. It is, it's the silent killer, I think for woodworkers. Hundred percent, because you don't. Are you worried? Go ahead. But you have good filtration, though, right? I have okay. I mean, I have I have a air filtration going, and then I also have a, a box fan with a filter on the back, which is just as effective. But you know, most people hang their air filters above high. But right. to me, that is, I have a fundamental problem with that because all it's doing is it's pulling all the dust up past your nose oh, and past yeah. your face. I keep them low to the ground, so every, as stuff is falling, it's pulling it down um, and out of the way. But, you know, there's, 
without wearing a mask, you really do need to wear a mask at all times because those filters aren't going to collect everything as you're working. So it... But I try to wear... I have a dust mask. I have those RVRZ masks. RZ masks, yeah. That's what oh, I have. Good. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're good. They make they make a good mask. Um, I like it. They're comfortable, that's for sure. Um, and then I have welding masks that I mm. use. Actually, I, there's a 3M mask that fits under a welding hood, and then I liked it so much because the the cans are so uh, the cans are very low profile, so you can actually wear it on their mask. When you get them brand new, they're so comfortable you don't even realize you're wearing them, and that to me is like super, oh, yeah. super important. Number seven misconception is the dust. Same thing. The shop vac is the only form of dust collection I need. <laughs> you know. Uh, number eight, big box stores have the best wood for my projects. Oh my god! Who? <laughs> I know that's a that's myth, a but who, whoever actually said that? It's well, it's a common misconception. I mean, that's where people go to buy their wood. They go to yeah. Home Depot to get their wood. It's true. Last time I checked, the only nice wood they have there is some, maybe a, some couple of boards of poplar. Yeah. And maybe like a, a couple of sheets of it. Maybe, 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 maybe a sheet of walnut. Yeah. I mean, it's bottom of the barrel what they have there. Like after every, everybody else has picked through the stuff, like that's what they get. One of the things that's interesting to me, and you and I have gone to this, you and I both go to Condon Lumber in White Plains, mm-hmm. which is an amazing place, a totally amazing place. It doesn't really dawn on a lot of people how long it takes for you when you buy the wood that you use. It doesn't dawn on how hard it is to, how hard it is before you get to use it. You don't, you can't use the wood that you're buying immediately, right? No, generally you'll want to let it acclimate to your shop environment for a couple of days. Um, Cause you know, every lumber yard it's, it's generally covered, but it's outdoors. So it's releasing moisture, picking up moisture, releasing, picking it up. So it's, it was dried when it got put in there, but it still has, I forget what the actual word um there's still some auxiliary moisture that needs to be released out. So once you put it in your shop where it's, you know, the controlled environment, it's going to release that moisture. And then what I do is I mill it once and expose fresh wood top and bottom. And then I stack and sticker it for at least a day and let it do what it wants to. It's going to release, it's going to absorb, release, absorb and move and then do my final milling to my final thickness and then start building. Because woods, woods, it's, you know, it's a, it's still a living thing. Does it, does it? I mean, I have small pieces of wood that I stabilize, mm-hmm. and even when I stabilize them, sometimes they move a little bit. Interesting. Does it annoy you? Oh. How annoying is it when? How how annoying is it? Well, the problem is that you're because, working with a product that's going to move. Yeah. Well, number one, you buy, you spend all this money on material, and people don't realize there's a lot of tension in there still that you can't see. So the second you run it through the table saw, and I've had this where as it's going through the two, the off cut and the regular piece are not only are they splitting off left to right, like noticeably though the off cut is going up and to the left. So it's like a banana going <laughs> splitting right. side because there's so much tension in it. And then you end up with this giant, boomerang that's useless so you just spend all this money and like half the board's useless and by the time sometimes you end up milling it down once and milling it down again to get it perfectly flat it's too thin for what you need so that's where you really need a rely you know lumber yards they have they need to go through a correct drying process but they don't know if there's tension. i mean a lot of like walnut has a lot yeah, of tension you know? in it you don't it's 
That's why you always have to buy 15 to 20% extra because you don't know what's going to be wasteful or what isn't. Steel is the same way. Mm. You can cut out a piece of steel. You can cut, like, you could cut stuff out of a piece of steel, and it's a banana. And it's because it's tension. You you have to constantly, you have to, but you can adjust it. Like, mm. you can, you can, like, when we get steel over here sometimes, I'll cut it out, and then it, I t- look at it down the barrel, and it's a banana. But I can move it. I don't have to, like, I, I can, like, st- I can fix it. But like with wood, it's like once it's done, it's done, right? Yeah, it, it's really. I mean, all you can do is, is flatten it, but you're taking off. You know, if it's cupped like this, you're taking off material on both yeah. ends oh. until it gets flat. But then you end up with a very thin piece, and you're like, it was just a complete waste. So, so I have, get, I have buckets of scraps, walnut. Oh, uh, nervous like that. Like when you have to cut like a specific piece of wood, you've because I know I've hung out with some of you types that like <laughs> when you're looking in a lumber yard and you're looking for certain things and you're looking at this will be perfect for this and this will be perfect for this and this wood is not cupped and this is I can make this work. You're really conscious. Of, I mean, when I guys buy steel, I just don't want any kinks in it. You know, mm. it's like I don't really like go out of my mind. I mean, I'm you know when I'm looking at two by fours, I'm trying to not find bananas. But like if you're I can't imagine what it's like to get this wood and then you're just like, all right, I got to cool it down. I got to let it relax mm. and who knows. What, and then cross my fingers that it doesn't turn a banana. Do you ever get the ones where it starts to go out and then it come back in on the oh, blade? Oh, 100%. Yeah, and it pinches the blade. Yeah. Pinches the blade? Yeah, that's why you have a riving knife on there. That's why that's a big safety thing to have a riving knife so it can't like actively pinch the back of the blade while you're cutting. Um, that riving knife kind of gets in the way, but... It, yeah, you you just every time it's a it's a mixed bag. Every time you put a a piece of wood through the saw, you don't really know what's going to happen. Can only hope. <sighs> Generally, you can only it's a hope. general rule. It's 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 okay, but sometimes things get a little wacky. Oh my god! I don't know. I I give you more, you got more credit than the restaurant guys because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. You know, you don't know what you're going to get. They can control everything, but they can't. You can't. You can't control the material. No. Can't, 100%. That's why I like G10 so much. Mm. I never have to worry. That's right. it. That stuff's, I mean, it's going to kill me, but it's the best because <laughs> it doesn't move. I know exactly what's going to happen when I cut it. All right. Number nine, misconceptions. Big box stores have the best tool selection. Hmm. That's a pretty big misconception. They used really to read that. before Amazon <laughs> and other uh, online tool retailers. It's the only place you can get them. Here's your choice. You go to. You have a choice. You can only go to one, Home Depot or Lowe's. Which one are you going to? I always go to Lowe's, and it's only because there's never anybody in there. So I kind of got, like, the whole place to myself. Home Depot is a shit show all the time. I found – I got lucky with the Lowe's a couple times. They had MIG wire there. They had a specific MIG wire that I was like – I got a – when I was finishing this goddamn sculpture, I – which that's the new name of it, by the way, the goddamn sculpture <laughs> – P.S. P.S. I'm, I've 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 uh, I've been asked to do another sculpture, not a, with guns, but another one, and I said fine. So I'm going to be back in the. I'm in the. I'm now the nice. spiteful sculptor. I'm doing it out of spite. I'm, there's no other. I'm doing it to to. I'm. I told my. I had a business meeting with the crew, and I said we have a new investor in the shop. And they're like, oh really? Who is it? I'm like me. I'm doing a fucking other sculpture, and I'm putting it all in this goddamn company. So, yeah. So I found Migwire at Lowe's, and I'm just like, yeah, Lowe's wins. Lowe's wins because they have stuff that you don't normally want. Mm. You don't. You wouldn't think you'd get. Number 10, 
don't shake a can of polyurethane because of bubbles. This is a common misconception. Did you know that? Yeah, I don't really use poly, but yeah, Who you're cares? not supposed to. You're supposed to just stir it. Number 11 common misconception, cedar wood is rot resistant. Should I read that one? It's not. Unfortunately, this is not true. To understand this, you must understand the difference between heartwood and sapwood of a tree. In the photo below, we're not looking at that, the center area is darker <laughs> and referred to as the heartwood. This section of the log is the oldest and has died. The sapwood on the outer ring is lighter in color. This section is still living. The rot-resistant part of the cedar only applies to the heartwood. The sapwood of the cedar is not resistant. And as the more and more older cedar trees are harvested, there are less heartwood available from the younger ones. This, in turn, causes the price of heartwood cedar to increase significantly. Huh. I didn't there you know go. That. Number 12, misconceptions. The size you buy is the size you get. <laughs> I hate this about wood more than anything else. Yeah. You don't have to say it, but a 2x4 is not a fucking 2x4. No, not anymore. That annoys me. Uh, as a two by four is a one by four is actually three quarters by three and a half. A two by four is actually one and a half by three and a half. A four by four is three and a half by three and a half. And an eight by eight is actually seven and a quarter by seven and a quarter. I don't like it. I hate it. I don't like it, but I have no choice. Cause with, when you buy metal, metal's on the money, right? Like you can get five eighths, you can get five sixteenths, you can get three sixteenths, you can get three thirty seconds, you can get an eighth, you can get a sixteenth. For all you non-metric people, that's whatever yeah. you say. <laughs> Number 13, and we're going to finish this off. Extra coats of stain provide extra protection. That's a common misconception. Did you know that? I've never heard of that misconception. I mean, it's not Let's providing it. any protection. It's just coloring. This, this myth <laughs> is probably the most related to human nature rather than an advertising gimmick. Whether it's adding more detergent to the sink or a bald guy using a handful of shampoo. That's a bad. That's another bad. That's bad. That's... Humans tend to always think more is better. As if you're finishing a project up you've been working on and you may come to the conclusion that add an extra coat or two of stain to the wood so that it will be better protected. The rationale is not true. Uh, when you apply stain, it gets soaked in the wood. There can only be so much stain a piece of wood can soak in. Uh, continuing to apply before more stain will result in just being stained on your rag and the wipe off the excess of the project. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, all right. All right. Fine. No. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'm, whatever you say. Okay. Don't put more stain on. Okay. Number 14, don't wipe wet glue. Let it dry first. Did you know this? It's a common misconception. There's, this is, uh, controversial. Kind of. I mean, I, because people do it both ways. I mean, I do too. Um, I, you know, sometimes you just let it dry and then you can chisel it off later. And some people take a wet sponge or a toothbrush when it's still wet. And, you know, the problem people have with that is, oh, you're going to get moisture, more moisture into the joint and maybe um, dilute the glue and it's not going to have the same holding powder. power. The reason I don't like to actually wipe away with a wet rag is because it raises those wood fibers in the corner and then it makes it very difficult later to just sand those down without damaging other things it a lot of people use a straw they cut a, the tip of a straw into like a, a point and then use that and go right up that glue joint to get all the excess glue off and then wipe it with a damp rag the problem is if you don't wipe it enough and you leave glue residue around that you don't see. Right. And then you go, if you're a person who stains, I don't stain it. But if you stain, 
then yeah, oh, you'll see all the, the, the glue that you missed. Type-on has this glue now that you hit it with a black light and it'll show you what you missed, what you didn't wipe off. Whoa. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Bond. Wow. So you, you, so that's the, so, okay. So I do what both. They say is, I wipe it with a wet rag sometimes. Sometimes I don't. I, I, when I'm, when I'm using epoxy, I, I think that I may be making a mistake, but I use acetone to clean up the bolster. And Tomer over for kitchen knives cleans up with WD 40. Huh. I know we're not talking about steel and stuff like that. No, it's he okay. does it and it works it works it works great for him. I don't know. I might try, I might try it. I don't know. And last number 15 of common misconceptions of woodworking is oil stains are better than water-based stains. This may fall into the category of personal opinion rather than myth. Each of these stains will work fine and like everything like anything else, both have their own advantages which I'll list below. I'm not going to read all mm. the listing below, but however, uh, using a blanket statement that assumes that oil painting is all oil stains are always better than water and not accurate. The, water-based finishes, water-based finishes have come so far in the last ten. That's all I use. Um, well, except like not Odie's, but Rubio and Osmo, which are hard wax oils. There is some solvent in there, but they're not like a polyurethane that's just strictly kind of all oil-based. But waterborne, like paint. Clear coats, that's all I use is waterborne because I can't spray anything. I can't spray solvent-based finishes. You need an explosion-proof fan and, you know, then there's all this cleanup when you clean up. And I know guys are like, oh, I just drain it into a a tug, whatever, a gallon container and then I just – but you have to get rid of that. I don't know, just from my environmental health and safety, like you have to get rid of that hazardous waste at some point and – that becomes difficult. Some maybe your dump doesn't take hazardous waste. They have a hazardous waste day once a year. You know, I, I don't. I just don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. And waterborne is. There's so many different brands now, and the quality and the the durability of them is top notch. I can't believe people spray oil based. Oil oh, based lacquer. Stains. Yeah, well, because it flashes, it dries so fast. I, you know, we've, and those. We've, now that I think about it, I've been in metal shops and we've sprayed Xylon-based paints and stuff like that. I mean, I use if I have a, something small, I will use a can of lacquer, like rattle can lacquer, Mohawk. Yeah, ra- yeah. I mean, because it flashes off so quickly and it is a durable finish. But I'm definitely not filling my HVLP with solvent-based finishes. I just I don't have the the facilities for it. My yeah. man, we covered a lot of ground. We really did. You've, we've, we've. I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. Be honest with you, this was a lot of wood talk. <laughs> Are you? Do you feel? I mean, the guys over at Shop Sounds should really understand that we covered a lot of, you know, how to stuff. Yeah, covered a lot of ground. And you know, six but, dangerous things, fifteen common misconceptions. <laughs> that's a lot. That's like that's twenty-one things we covered. Twenty-one bullet points. Plus all the, the, the all the all the you know cage rattling we did in in the beginning with about social media. I think we covered a lot of ground. We did. And you know, I wanted to cut. Co- uh, so remember, I had called you. What's that? A couple weeks ago about getting some steel plates made, maybe at New Jersey oh, yeah. Steel Bank. So. I ended up, so I needed quarter-inch steel plates for this desk I was working on. I needed to mount the legs to the steel plates, and then the steel plates get mounted to the underside of the desktop. And right. I didn't 
plan out because I didn't know the, the shape and where my holes and all this stuff until the last minute. So um, our buddy Paul Pinto was going to use his plasma cutter and he was worried about the quality wasn't going to be what I wanted. And I know he's right. super busy. So, you know, send, cut, send is a place that a lot of people use. And I priced it out with them. These two quarter inch thick steel plates that were roughly eight inches by 20 something inches. And they were like $300 a piece. Wow. Great price. Yeah. So, great price, you said? I mean, that's a lot of work, and it's a big piece. Okay. So, I go to this other place online called OSH Cut. They're in Utah. I mean, I'm just saying it based on the size. I mean, it's a lot of... That's, it I is. Mean, I know. You're right. Sheet's big. So, I go to this place, OSH Cut, and type in, you know, put in all my specs, upload the files, $140 for both. Even better. So I ended up paying out through the nose because I needed them in two days for expedited right. shipping. and exp- So it cost me $400, but it's still $200 less than Send, Cut, Send before shipping. And they were beautiful, like hardened steel, like they had deburred everything. It had like a, a nice clear finish on it almost. Like they were perfect. I was very impressed. So there you go. So now... If I ever need steel plates Here we again. are. Here we are. Here it we came are. full circle. Pl- we, I didn't expect it to come back to steel, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I'm going to close the KJ show off KJ Sawdust is back. We're going to have him out. We're going to do the Rusty Splinters podcast more often. Where you come on, we'll talk about... We, I, have, I, have, I had stories about the Timber Mafia. Do you know about them? No. There's like all these like... There's smuggling. There's wood smuggling in the world. Oh, yeah. And and the timber mafia, you're going to have to come back so we can talk about the timber. There are a number of timber mafias. They're in, the, in Romania and in the EU and then in South America and then in India. There is like fucking syndicates. There are wood syndicates. And I, we're going to talk about that, but we're going to have to save it for the next time. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's a lot of protected Guys. species you can't get here. So I can see oh. how that would happen. Black market rosewood, I mean, mm. rosewood. I mean, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I mean, the, this, this. I mean, it's like the Corleones got the their 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 whole thing on the the rosewood situation. Don't buy it. There's timber mafia guys. Be careful. I'm worried about you. I'm that's, worried about that's you. That's the next Netflix show. The, well, I mean, that's the next time you come on. We're going to talk about the we're going to talk about the dark underbelly of the of the of the timber mafia. <laughs> the so, guys. Community. Maker community. I want you to listen to Shop Sounds podcast. Those are good dudes. Those are good dudes. And I like their podcast. It's a good podcast, and they're good guys. Go listen to Shop Sounds. Go follow KJ Sawdust on Instagram, KJ Sawdust. Hey, listen, if the, if you're over 40 and you're still on Facebook, go follow him. Go follow <laughs> Go follow whatever whatever Keith's doing on Facebook. I didn't even know you were on Facebook, yeah. frankly. Ah. Fine, I'm going to check it out. I'm, I'm over 40. I, I'm on Facebook. All my over 40 listeners, guys, you're on Facebook too. Let's go check out what KJ Sawdust is doing. And I want to thank you once again for coming on. I always love talking with you. And... Um, I look forward to talking to you again. Yes, thanks for having me. This is great. And I guess uh, we'll see you at Maker Camp. We will definitely see you at Maker Camp. And I actually put out a I put out a uh, call to action that uh, Knife Talk was told that we curse too much. And I thought maybe we could get all the podcasters who are coming to Maker Camp. And I wanted to have a competition to see who could go the longest without saying, fuck, I think you might win. Everyone puts 20 bucks in. We go on the Full Blast podcast. And we'll see who can go the longest without saying, fuck, I got a feeling you're going to win. Now that I think about it, I know that 
Roy Roy Scott's gonna, uh, Roy Scott's going to lose. Uh, Mareko's going to lose. <laughs> I feel comfortable that I'll do okay, but I don't. Now that I know you're in it, I don't think I'm going to do so well. So you might take all the money because you're a very uh, honorable guy. Yeah, I mean, listen, I swear quite frequently in my daily life, but on our podcast, we we don't we yeah, don't we don't work blue over there. So you're good. You might I might I might you might not be allowed to play. To be honest <laughs> with you, because I I don't think I've ever heard you say fuck. So well, we're that's gonna, because we're I, you know, the episode the when fuck I have off. the freedom to let the f bombs okay. fly. Okay. I can keep okay. up with the best of them. Well, let's just keep it there. I'll definitely see you at Maker Camp. Yeah. And um, guys. Can- Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Makers. <laughs>